Oh, my giver, listen to my plea. After hearing, accept my plea. This is the Bhajan Mere Data G Suno Beniti on page 187. I make this request. Listen to my prayers. Listen to my prayers. May I not forget you ever. Take me to the shore, O giver. Take me to the shore. This honorless soul does not listen to the bani. She does not listen to the bani. She has become homeless. She is in your shelter, O giver. She is in your shelter. The negative power has laid the traps. He has laid the traps. The heart is terrified. Without you, who can remove the pain, O giver? Without you, who can remove the pain? Becoming gracious, listen to my condition, Kripalji. Give me the treasure of Nam and make me rich. The servant of Jabe prays, O giver. Servant of Jabe prays, O my giver, listen to my plea. After hearing, accept my plea. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 187. Mere data ji suno benati Mere data ji suno benati Karo mana jura suna ke benati Karo mana jura Suna ke benati Mere data ji Suna benati Mere data ji Suna benati Karo mana jura 
giver, listen to my plea. After hearing, accept my plea. Our next bhajan is on page 267. Tumase, tumase, meri prita purani. O beloved Kripal Guru, my love with you is very ancient. I am lying at your door I am standing with my hands stretched out. The eyes are thirsty. Make me have your darshan. Shower grace, O Lord. Take me across. O friend of the miserable ones, the ocean of compassion, how do you forget me? Showering grace, you liberated the saints, O Satguru. You have liberated even the sinners. You ate the contaminated fruits of Shivri. You embraced all those who came into your refuge. 
You have erased everyone's difficulties. You have known everyone's pain. Oh, Satguru, I am in your refuge. You are an ocean and I am your drop. You are my mother and father and brother. I am a beggar. You are the giver. Oh, Ajayb, this is the tale of lives. This is the story of birth after birth. Oh, beloved Kripal Guru, my love with you is very ancient. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 
Sharanagata Kantalagai Shivari Kejute Pavalakai Sabasharanagata Kantalagai Tumane Sabake Sankata Kahate Sabaki Pida Johnny Kripal Guru, my love with you is very ancient. If you remember, last month I began reading the series of circular letters and messages that Master Kripal issued in the year 1967 at a time when the Sangat was actually split not in connection with the teachings or in connection with the master, but in connection with who they wanted their representative to be. And in retrospect, it seems almost ludicrous. Uh, Actually, in some ways, it seemed ludicrous at the time, but it was an extremely major thing. And it was 
very, very hard on the master, and he issued circular after circular to deal with it. And we began last month by reading the first few, and today I want to read the next couple. And the first one is a very famous writing of the Master, includes some of the things that he said that have been quoted the most often. This is the message on humility. And I think, again, with something that we're familiar with, it's extremely helpful to pay, you know, very close attention to exactly what is being said because often we think we already know what is in there and it goes right over our heads. It can. I don't say it does, but it can. I have found that to be true for myself. Anyway, this was the Samhain Singh birth anniversary message for the year 1967, dated July 1st. And this is what he says. Dear ones, on this auspicious day of the birth anniversary of Hazur Maharaj Baba Sawan Singh Ji, I send you one and all my heartiest wishes for your progress on the spiritual way back to the home of our Father through the natural yoga of light and life and love, the Surat Shabad Yoga. In my previous year's messages, I have been mostly dwelling on rising above body consciousness, to be reborn, and to learn to die while alive, etc., so as to enable one to enter the kingdom of God, which is within us, as prescribed by all the past masters now come to us through his benign grace. There are many aspects of his divine life, but I will now dwell on the two most important ones, namely humility and simplicity, the most needed at this hour, which, if followed, will set our lives in the right direction and enable us to achieve perfection. All masters, such as Jesus, Mahavira, Buddha, Kabir, and Nanak, etc., of the past, and Ramakrishna, Hazur Baba Sawan Singh, Sadhu Vasvani, etc., of recent days, radiated this divine luster from their personalities. Man knows so many things, but he does not know himself. A man has so many sheaths in himself, covering the depths of his heart. Man learns and unlearns all through life. It is wiser to remain a student than to be a teacher, a student of the mystery of life. A parable goes to say that a seeker of God in the quest of heaven, wandering here and there, found himself perchance at the gate of heaven. The gatekeeper asked him, Who are you? The seeker answered, A teacher. The gatekeeper asked him to wait and went in to report. 
After a while, he returned and said that he could not let him in, as there was no place for teachers in the heaven world. He was told to go back and wash the dust of dead words clinging to him in the waters of silence. So many teachers are vain. They parade their learning. How can there be a place in there for him who lives in a world of vanity? Every day he sat in the silence and listened to the words of saints, and his self-consciousness began to develop, and he became humble and prayed to be the servant of all men, lonely and lowly ones, and animals, a servant of God's creation. Then the portals of heaven were opened, and he entered in and beheld the Master's face, pure and fair beyond compare. All the masters of the past and the present say, the kingdom of God is for the humble of heart. So many of us, alas, are proud, vain, in ego lost, and blind to the wisdom we do but wander from darkness to darkness. The God that rules millions is the ego, Enthrone on your heart the God of love and cease to wander. And what should be done to do so? Become humble as ashes and dust. The world is full of the proud of purse or power or learning. Whereas we should be humble and simple and empty ourselves of all self that the Lord might do with us what he would. The life worth living is life in the spirit. Its basis is humility. We should be reduced to a cipher and God becomes all. Let us be perfect as our Father is in heaven. The truly humble are the truly happy. For want of humility, men and women are leading an unbearable, miserable life. All this misery is from within. It is not a change in our circumstances, but deliverance from the thraldom of the self, the petty ego that sits a tyrant, robbing us of the bliss that is our heritage as children of God. We are, as it were, in a cage of self-centeredness, and until this prison is opened by the key of humility, the swan bird of the soul is not free and cannot swim to the regions of radiance and joy. The way to true blessedness is the way of humility and love. He who is humble has no problems. He has God as his guide. Significant are the words of the shepherd boy singing in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. He that is down need fear no fall. He that is low no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. I am content with what I have, little be it or much. And Lord, contentment still I crave, because thou savest such. 
Rightly has it been said that if there were no humility in the world, everyone would long ago have committed suicide. When the light of humility dawns on the soul, the darkness of selfishness disappears, and the soul no longer lives for itself, but for God. The soul loses itself in God, lives in God, and is transformed into him. This is the alchemy of humility. It transforms the lowest into the highest. The great Chinese sage Lao Tzu expressed the thought in beautiful words. How does the sea become the king of all rivers and streams? Because it lies lower than them. St. Augustine said the way to God is, first, humility, second, humility, and third, humility. He who is proud of possessions or of learning or of authority will not go to any saint unless he is humble. Even if he goes to the saint but considers himself superior to him, he will not listen to him. A glass which is kept above a tumbler of water will remain empty until it is put below the tumbler. You know what you know. Just listen to what the other says. Perhaps we can learn something from him. Yes, the branches of a fruit-laden tree bend of their own accord. Even so, the man who, losing himself, finds God, finds him everywhere and in everyone, bends before all, offers homage of his heart to all. This is true humility. It is not a forced sense of lowliness. Such a one lives in unity with all. He is in others, and others are in him. It is the fake ego self that gives rise to the sense of discord and separation. When the illusion of ego is broken, one feels, I am not apart from others, but others are parts of the one, God, the Master, and all of us are engaged in the same service of God. Each one of us is unique in his own way. There is a divine purpose behind the life of everyone who comes into the world. No one has been created for nothing. We have something to learn from everyone. This is the mystery of humility. The truly humble person does not compare himself with others. He knows that none of us, however evolved, is perfect. None of us is complete in himself. The humble person does not regard one as better than the other. He believes in the divinity of each. If one says and asserts that he is better than others, then he is not perfect as yet. It is only when one realizes his nothingness that God comes and fills him with himself. Where man is, God is not. Where man is not, God is. God cannot enter the heart of the self-seeking person.
He who is full of himself considers himself as above others and so puts a limit on himself. God is without limit. How can the limitless enter the limited? O ye who seek God, see that you do not set yourself above others. Give up all that you are and all that you have. Empty yourself of all self. Cast the ego out and you stand face to face with God. Wondrous are the words of the Sufi saint Abu Hassan. Brothers, this is the law. He who cometh nigh to God loseth what he hath. Ay, he loseth himself, but gains instead the gift supreme, the gift of humility. A man may strive to be humble, but for all his efforts may become all the more proud. There is such a thing as the pride of humility. It is a very dangerous thing, for it is too subtle to be discerned by the inexperienced. There are some who will take great pains to be humble. They make humility impossible. How can a man be humble who is all the time thinking of how best he can be humble? Such a man is all the time occupied with himself. But true humility is freedom from all consciousness of self, which includes freedom from the consciousness of humility. The truly humble man never knows that he is humble. The truly humble man accepts everything as coming from the hands of God. He knows that in him there is nothing praiseworthy. All the good that is in him is from God, and the praise that men give him belongs to God. When the young man called Jesus good teacher, Jesus quietly said, Why call me good? There is none good but God. Humility, says Lacordaire, does not consist in hiding our talents and virtues, in thinking ourselves worse and more ordinary than we are, but in possessing a clear knowledge of all that is lacking in us and not exalting ourselves for that which we have, seeing that God has freely given it us and with all his gifts we are still infinitely of little importance. So the truly humble man may accept sometimes the praise which men give him and quietly passes it on to God, keeping nothing for himself. The man who is not truly humble behaves in a very unnatural manner when he is not praised by men. He becomes upset, loses his patience, and even becomes angry. He repulses them with his irritation and creates for them an awkward situation. Sometimes he suppresses his feelings and remains silent, but he cannot forget the things that are said about him. They haunt him again and again and do not give him peace of mind. The humble man makes no fuss. He is at harmony with himself and others. He is gifted with a wondrous feeling of peace. 
He feels safe and secure like a ship in harbor, unaffected by howling storms and lashing waves. He has found refuge at the lotus feet of the Lord, and the storms of changing circumstances have no power over him. He feels light as air. The burdens which we carry all our life, the burden of the self and its desires, he has laid aside, and he is ever calm and serene. Having given up everything, he has nothing to lose, and yet everything belongs to him, for he is of God, and God is in him. Having broken the bondage of desire, he is as happy with a piece of dry bread as with a sumptuous meal. In every situation and circumstance of life, he blesses the name of God. He who would be humble regards himself as a student. He learns many new things, but what is more difficult, he unlearns many things he has learned. A scholar came to a saint and said, O seer of the secret, tell me what I may do to live the life divine. And the saint said to him, Go, unlearn what thou hast learnt, and then return and sit before me. He who would walk the way of humility must renounce his earlier ways of living. He must give up the opinions he has formed, the standards to which he is accustomed. He must have a new outlook on life. The things the world would worship are to him of no value. His values are so different from those of other men. Rich food, fine houses, costly dresses, positions of power and authority, the applause of men, honors and titles no longer attract him. He feels drawn to a life of simplicity. He is happy in living a hidden life in the hidden Lord. He is dead to the world. He is alive in God. At times he actually behaves like one dead. Yes, the truly humble man is, in that sense, the dead man. He has died. God alone lives in him. His self has been annihilated. His self has vanished into God and only God remains. God works in him and through him and God emits in his eyes. God speaks in his words. On his feet God walks the earth and through his hands gives his benedictions to all. Such men are the real strength of the world its illumination and inspiration. To see them is to commune with God, for God dwells in them. They are the living, moving temples of the Lord. They are the ones who keep the world intact, though they do not know it themselves. The whole earth depends on them without anyone being aware of it. Their hearts and minds are in tune with the great heart and mind of humanity. They are in complete accord with all that lives. They give their love to all living beings, 
as though they were the sons of the one sweet mother. They have broken all fetters and entered into the freedom of the children of God. God does their will because they have merged their wills in his. God fulfills their least desire, for it is he who desires all their desires. They are the little saviors of humanity. I wish each one of you to follow the lesson of humility, born of love and simplicity. And in connection with that, I want to read from the Gurumat Siddhant, which was written by Master Kapal in the Punjabi language and published in India in the 1930s under Sawan Singh's name. And much of it was used by Master for the writing of a number of his books, Nama, Word, Prayer, Spirituality, God-Man, and others are all taken from, although heavily revised and expanded from sections of the Gurumat Siddhant. But the whole thing in its original form was translated into English under the name of the Philosophy of the Masters by the Bayas Satsang. And some parts of it uh, Master did not make use of in his books. And one of those sections, he has a chapter on humility, which expands on and comments on, you might say, the things that he said in the circular we just read. This was written 30, 40 years earlier, and it is extremely interesting. And I find it a very useful companion piece to the humility circular. This is a one section of the chapter called Inner Humility. From the above discussion, he's uh, just written about outer humility. From the above discussion, it is clear that it is not proper to be proud of worldly pleasures. The thought of countless bounties of the Lord and our innumerable sins and defects makes us beggars at his door. We should therefore think as to which of his bounties we are acknowledging and what we are doing for them. As long as we believe that whatever good or evil we possess is not because of us but from him, we cannot be proud of anything. What are the bounties which we have not received from the Lord? Having received them, what have we done to show our gratitude and in respect of which of them? If this line of thought leads to pride, then the thought of our defects and ingratitude is a sure remedy. We always say that we are nothing. We are of no consequence, and others are better. But if others say the same thing about us, we would be very sorry, as we think that our state is quite the reverse. Those who really inwardly believe that they are the lowest are really spiritual. O oh, Kabir, I am the worst. Everybody else is good. He who thinks so is my friend. We try to make a show of avoiding the gaze of the world and hiding ourselves, but in reality desire that it should run after us and find us out. 
we sit in meetings on a back bench or on a low seat so that we may be seated in the front or on a high seat. True humility never makes a show nor indulges in humble words. A really humble man not only wants to hide himself and his virtues, but also tries to keep himself out of the sight of the world. With this end in view, he sometimes does acts which bring him a bad name so that he can hide himself under their cover. Yogis and saints have behaved in this way. Gopichand and Bhattari lived in the house of a potter and engaged in austerities, but in order to keep off the ruler of that place and other people, they put up a show of quarrel over articles of food and invited criticism. Guru Nanak put on the garb of a hunter and took a dagger and dogs with him. All others stepped aside, but Lanaji stuck fast to him. Kabir Sahib took bottles in his hands and in company of a woman disciple and Ravidas the cobbler walked through the bazaar singing hymns. There was water in the bottles, but people thought it was wine. The water was poured before the Raja. Ravidas said this had been done to extinguish the fire at the temple of Jagannath. The Raja sent his man to Jagannath He inquired and reported that on that day the temple had in fact caught fire and Kabir Sahib had extinguished it. It therefore behooves us not to utter words of sham humility. If we do utter such words, they should represent our real inner feelings. We should not lower our eyes unless our mind accepts humility and poverty unless we feel a genuine desire for humility and poverty, we should not express it. Of course, as truly civilized and civil persons, we should address others with respect and in accordance with good manners. We should behave humbly and to show regard for the guest, utter words in humility. This befits us as human beings. There can be no doubt that we should utter words which come from our heart to our guests. A truly humble heart desires that instead of his saying so, others should say of him that he is the most inconsequential and unimportant person. If anyone says this of him, he does not feel offended, but is happy to feel that there is at least one man who thinks of him as he himself does. Some persons under the cover of humility give up inner prayers because of being imperfect. They do not think themselves fit for them. Some say that they do not advise others as they themselves are not perfectly faultless. Some do not wish to use their talents in the service of the Lord because they know their weakness best and are afraid lest while doing service they should feel proud and while showing light to others may ruin themselves in the fire of pride and conceit. These thoughts do not arise when one is truly humble. These are reasons for one being idle and coward. They on one hand make a great show of feelings for the Lord and his incarnation, the Master, And on the other hand, under the cover of humility, 
want to keep themselves deprived of the great humility which he in his mercy wishes to shower on them. The Lord and Master desire that we should be perfect like him and thus obtain his grace. O Kabir, it avails not if one is cold or hot like water. The devotee should be like the Lord. The man who has no confidence in himself puts forth arguments and reasons for not doing his duty. But a man of prayer, although he feels utterly incompetent, knowing full well that he is not fit for it and cannot perform it, surrenders with full faith and fortitude everything to the Lord and his incarnation, the Master, and engages himself in carrying out the directions for fulfilling the task given to him by the Master. The truth is that to think we know what we do not know is sheer ignorance. When we do not know a thing, it is absurd to make others believe that we know it. We should not exhibit our knowledge, skill, and know-how. It is, however, not proper to feign ignorance. Of course, when we meet a person desirous of knowing that thing, we should not hide anything from him and tell him everything for his guidance. Humility should hide our virtues and perfections till such time as the need for redemption of our own soul exists. This is not a moral or worldly quality, but a godly virtue. In true humility, we need not pass ourselves as fools or parade ourselves as wise men. Just as pride is opposite of humility, so deceit, pretense, cleverness, show, hypocrisy, cunningness, and worldly crookedness are opposite of calmness and right conduct. If the worldly wise, in order to gain their ends, dub right conduct as mean and foolish, the truly humble person should bear the backbiting and criticism cheerfully. The cause of this backbiting is not in him, but in others. The Master has said, if you care for your good, do good to the mean persons. From Guru Nanak. And I was thinking of some instances that I observed where the Master demonstrated humility in some odd ways. Uh, it's easy to, you know, we think, I mean, Master covered the ground in, in between those two writings. It doesn't need a lot of comment, but there is somehow, even though the Masters are the lords of the universe, they are capable of absolute humility. It's, it's a very strange paradox because they say, Sancho used to say that God values humility above all because he doesn't have it. He is the, the Lord of all. Everything came from him. Who is there for him to be humble in front of? But in fact, when he becomes incarnate in human form, he is indeed humble. And I... A couple of incidents. In the very first few days of my physical acquaintance with the Master, Kripal Singh, back in September 1963, there was a press conference called at the, uh, 
the National Press Club in Washington. This was where we were. It was Washington, D.C. And we went to it. And, you know, the, the announcement that the press conference was going to happen included a picture of Masters sitting in front of a group of very eager-looking reporters. It was a photograph taken from 1955 with pencils in their ears and, and over their ears, I should say, not not in their ears, and, you know, hanging on every word he said. And we expected that it would be a very lot of reporters there. It would be very interesting. We got there, and there wasn't one reporter there. And as somebody said, Mr. Conover, somebody said, you know, we can invite them, but they don't come if they don't want to. So Mr. Conover, trying very hard to save the day, ordered us all to go and find reporters and get them there. Betty Shifflett and I went off, and we found a, a woman reporter for Newsweek magazine because the National Press Club is full of offices of reporters. That's why it wasn't it wasn't a, an enormously uh, difficult thing to do. And I showed her Master's picture, and we talked fast. And she said, "He's he's in the building right now." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, he's right down there. You, you go see him." She said, "All right, I'll come." And she went down, and about six or seven reporters went down. And Master was there, and they began uh, asking him questions. And one of the reporters was drunk, and he dominated the whole thing. And he asked these long-winded, weirdo questions, and eventually all the other reporters left out of disgust. But Master treated his questions as though they were the, the wisest, most valuable things on earth. And he listened very carefully to what the man said, and he gave him answers that were very appropriate and which showed that he was really, really listening to that man. And throughout, he treated him like he was a, a prince. And I was, I was so conflicted watching this I understood what Master was doing. I understood that that this is what humility is, that he had respect for everyone and did not consider himself above anyone, no matter how ridiculous that other person might appear to be. But here is this press conference, etc., and it was a total fiasco. This was the way I thought about it. Anyway, when it broke up, and we laughed. Somebody said to the master, you know, master, that man was drunk. And master said, that's all right. I mean, he was very aware of the whole thing. He didn't care a fig. It was fine. And I really had to examine my own, because I was ashamed. And here's the funny thing. This, that incident made me aware of exactly why Peter denied Jesus three times the night he was arrested. It's like when you expect your master to do something triumphantly and it comes across as not that way at all to the rest of the world, you feel ashamed. You don't want to admit it, but you do. And so another disciple came up to me at that time and said, 
you know, if somebody came up to you now and asked you if you were connected to that man, what would you say? And I, I heard him. And I had been thinking like that. I just want to get away from here. I don't want to have anything to do with this. And I, I mean, those thoughts were not major and they didn't last, but they came up. And I, I instantly identified with Peter on that issue. But, you know, just as allowing himself to be crucified was humility in action, in the same way, allowing oneself, whatever comes, Master said, Kripal said in the last few days of his life when somebody asked him if he would heal himself, he said that, actually they asked him why he didn't heal himself. And he said, look here, if anyone you love gives you a gift, will you not accept it? I think you will accept it. And that is really the essence of how humility works, is to see the world that way, to see what happens to us as a gift that is given us, which if we accept it in a humble way, it will go to our great benefit. But we can also refuse to accept it. And I've done that many, many times, by the way. It's one of my recurring failures is to not accept the gift that I'm being given. I think it may be true of a lot of us, at least to some extent. Anyway, those were that was a very eye-opening incident to me because what the Master was showing us, if we were willing to listen, was the what counted in that situation was not whether the press conference was a success or not. That was the idea of the organizers. But that isn't necessarily what Master had in mind. From his point of view, what counted was that each person be given the full measure of what he had and that uh, he would give it to the best of his ability and they would receive it to the best of their receptivity. Who knows what that guy received? But you realize that for a guy who was probably very worldly and kind of dissolute, because this was, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning and he was already drunk. I don't know how he did his work, really, but that's the way it was. He had an hour or so of unbroken darshan and attention from the Lord of the universe. That was given to him. And who knows what difference that would make in that guy's life. And that's what Master was, of course, how he was seeing it. Another uh, much less major, but was very meaningful to me, during the 63 tour later, uh, we were in Texas, I believe, somewhere, yeah, in Texas. And Master was giving a talk, and I wasn't in the talk, I wasn't listening because I was outside with my kids. Judith and I took turns on that tour. I would stay with the kids outside the hall one night and she would stay with them another night. And we used to park as close as we could to the hall and when the kids were asleep, because this is all illegal now, we didn't even have, of course, seat belts or uh, car seats or anything. The kids slept in the back of the car uh, in a mattress. We had the seat pushed down. It was a Corvair. And... I would leave them in the car and stand where I could 
have darshan from the master as he left the building, but also where I could see the kids. So I was very aware of them, but I was also looking for darshan. And before the talk was over, this couple came out, and a guy saw me standing there, and oh, and Mr. Khanna came out with him. He was trying to persuade him to go back in. The guy was upset. And Mr. Khanna saw me standing there, and he told him, go talk to him. And he went back in, and the guy and, and his girlfriend or wife or whatever came over, and he said, why can't your master talk so people can understand him? And I said, what? And this wave of anger began inside me. Who is this guy just talking like that about my master? And he said, yeah, I can't understand a word he's saying. He said, look, when Yogananda came to America, uh, he tells in his book that he got up and gave a talk and uh, he knew not much English and all that, but his talk was perfectly clear and everybody was very pleased with it. Why can't your master do at least that much? And, oh, jeez, I just, I I said, what do you know about yoga? Now, what does he do? And I got really, I came at him, you know, I was very bad. And he said, I'm going to talk to him and tell him what you said, how his disciples act when someone complains about something. I said, oh, jeez. I mean, it's like gone from bad to worse. Anyway, I went in, and uh, when the talk ended and the crowd came out, and I was still hanging around outside, and I saw everybody coming out, and eventually he came out again, and he came up to me and he said, very triumphantly, I talked to your master, and you know what he said? As you know, He said, you know what he said, as opposed to what I said, of course, which was... I knew it was going to be quite different. He was very, he looked down at the floor and he said, yes, I know, I have a bad speech problem. And I thought, geez, Master, you, wow. Will I ever learn from you what, what is appropriate? Anyway, I thanked him and I was very much touched by that. And of course, the final incident, there are many others, but time is, in, is finite. The final incident that I'm thinking of is with Sanchi when we went into Canada in 1977. Some of you may remember, we were just up at Yellow Point last month, and I was talking with some people who remembered very well, because of course, it was up there that it happened. But when we left from Washington State to go into Canada, British Columbia. Sanchi was going to do a program at Yellow Point Lodge in Nanaimo, outside of Nanaimo, on Vancouver Island, and then he was going to do a program at the ashram in Surrey, British Columbia. And Norma Fraser had arranged for us to take a plane from Seattle to Victoria, rather than go through Vancouver. Victoria is also on Vancouver Island, and it's about an hour's drive from the airport to the lodge. It's a smaller airport, and she thought it would be easier for him and the party to come through. So uh, I explained this to Sanchi, by the way, and he said, well, we will see. That's all he said. But later I remembered that. As the Bible says, 
Later, the disciples remembered what Jesus had said and thought about it. And that's what happened to me, too, on that. Anyway, we flew on this little plane. It was a local plane service airline that she uh, knew the owners of. And we got in a little plane and flew from Seattle to Victoria. And we got out, and we started coming through, and you realize there were a thousand people or more waiting up at Yellow Point Lodge for Sanchi to get there. And we came out and went into the airport, and Judith and I got through very easily, bip, 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 no problem. But the three Indians, Sanchi, Papu, and Patiji, there was some problem. We couldn't figure out. We didn't. It took us a while for Judith and me to get what was going on. But the people at the airport called their boss, who came in. This is a, a kind of a crass-looking guy. And uh, it turned out that the airline had been negligent in putting up, in order to transport nationals from some countries, not all countries, but some countries, countries that other countries held in suspicion as like a lot of people will try to sneak in and be there, called illegal immigration, that kind of thing. The airline had not, they're supposed to to have on file a bail ahead of time of, I think it was $1,000 a piece to cover the cost of uh, processing in case something goes wrong. Something like that. I may be explaining it badly. Anyway, the airline hadn't done that, and the Indians were not allowed to come in. The guy told us, he said, all right, you two, Judith and me, you can go on up, but these three have got to stay, and we're going to send them back on the next plane. And I jeez, I thought... What's going on? I, I mean, what, how can this be? And all the disciples, Norma was absolutely at her wit's end, just totally mortified and, and ashamed for her country and all like that. And the guy talked to say he was smoking a cigar. He blew the smoke in his face when he talked to him. He treated him like he was absolute mud, like the lowest of the low. For him, he was just another Indian trying to get into the country. Sanchi was so absolutely above it all. His, he constantly was re, was reassuring Norma that she had she was not her fault. She had done nothing wrong. There was no problem. Master will take care of it. And he told all of us not to worry and treated the guy with complete respect. And eventually, what happened was word got up to Yellow Point, what was going on. I forget, We didn't have cell phones, of course, but somehow or other it got, it got through, and they took up a collection and collected enough money to cover what the airline should have done. And Aaron Stevens came down in a plane with that money and gave it to the guy, and we could go through. But Sanchi was absolutely on top of it, absolutely. I mean, all of us, I don't know, Papu and Patiji were probably worried. I don't, I don't know, but I was. And we were appalled at the whole thing. I didn't know what to make of it. There was an interesting thing, though. 
uh, about halfway through a, a big commercial airline jet came in I forget which airline and a whole bunch of people got out and among them was one satsangi who was on his way to Yellow Point and he came in and Sanchi was sitting in the airport he was he almost fell over in a faint he was so astonished and he came over and sat with us and Sanchi told him I think he was joking but he said you know this was done so that you could have this darshan I think it may have been part of it. I don't know. Anyway, Sanchi told us that there was an inner secret to all that had happened, and he would tell us later, but he never did. We thought about, you know, a number of times on the tour, but as time went on, we let it go. Anyway, I have observed that when the masters talk about humility, they know what they're talking about. I think we can hear the tape. I bow down at the holy feet of my beloved Gurudev, Saman and Kripal, who have showered immense grace upon us, who have given us this opportunity to sit in that remembrance. Guru Nanak Devas, Kush. does God really exist? Guru Nanak Sahib replied with, yes, I have seen God. He is always in expression. Nanak says that his God is always in expression and he is always seen. Allah Allah na jaye lakhya, Gur Gur di na mitha, kahe kveer meri sanka nati sarva The same question was asked to Kabir Saab, and he said that the untraceable God cannot be traced, or the unseen God cannot be seen with one's own intellect. My beloved master has removed this illusion of mine, he has cleared up this doubt of mine, and in my own within, he has made me see the thought. The same question was asked to Master Saman Singh when he went to a place to do the satsang. One priest came there, a priest of a temple came there and asked him this question, that have you seen God? Master Saman Singh, he replied that yes, I have seen God with the grace of my master. Dear ones, this is not an egoism. This is the description of the reality which the masters have seen. Masters speak 
ਓਨਲੀ ਵਾਟ ਦੇ ਹੈਪੀ ਤੋ ਤੁਹਾਡੇ ਅੱਗੇ ਗੁਰੂ ਨਾਨਕ ਦੇਵ ਜੀ ਦਾ ਸ਼ਬਦ ਰੱਖਿਆ ਜਾਂਦਾ ਹੈ ਗੌਰ ਨਾ ਸੁਣ ਸੋ ਹਿਮ ਆਫ ਗੁਰੂ ਨਾਨਕ ਦੇਵ ਜੀ ਇਸ ਪ੍ਰੈਜੈਂਟੇਡ ਟੂ ਯੂ ਪਲੀਜ਼ ਲਿਸਨ ਟੂ ਇਟ ਵਿਦ ਮਚ ਅਟੈਂਸ਼ਨ ਮਾਰੂ ਮਹੱਲਾ ਪਹਿਲਾ ਪੰਨਾ 1038 
ਪਰਮਾਤਮਾ ਨੇ ਰਚੀ ਹੈ ਜਿਸ ਦਾ ਨਾਮ ਕੋਈ ਭਾਈ ਹੈ ਨਾ ਬੰਦੂ ਹੈ ਨਾ ਭੈਣ ਹੈ ਨਾ ਭਰਾ ਹੈ ਨਾ ਕਿਸੇ ਮਾਤਾ-ਪਿਤਾ ਨੇ ਉਸ ਨੂੰ ਪੈਦਾ ਕੀਤਾ ਹੈ ਦੈਟ ਗੋਡ ਹੂ ਡਸ ਨਾਟ ਹੈਵ ਐਨੀ ਮਦਰ ਔਰ ਫਾਦਰ ਹੂ ਡਸ ਨਾਟ ਹੈਵ ਐਨੀ ਸਿਸਟਰ ਔਰ ਬ੍ਰਦਰ ਹੀ ਹੂ ਹੈਸ ਨਾਟ ਬੀਨ ਕ੍ਰੀਏਟਿਡ ਬਾਈ ਐਨੀ ਵਨ ਦੈਟ ਗੋਡ ਹੈਸ ਕ੍ਰੀਏਟਿਡ ਦਿਸ ਕ੍ਰੀਏਸ਼ਨ ਜਾਗ ਤਿਸ ਕੀ ਛਾਇਆ ਜਿਸ neither he is created nor he is dissolved neither he is young nor he is old neither he is a child nor he is grown up nao parmatma kise khaas aurat da hai na kise khaas marad da hai na kise samaj da hai nao parmatma kise mulk da hi hai god doesn't belong to any particular man or woman he does not belong to any particular religion or community parmatma ਪਰਸਨਲ ਕਿਸੇ ਦੀ ਵੀ ਜਾਇਦਾਦ ਨਹੀਂ ਦੀ ਉਹ ਸੰਭਵ ਹੈ ਜਿਹੜਾ ਉਹ ਯਾਦ ਕਰਦਾ ਹੈ ਉਹ ਉਸੇ ਦਾ ਹੀ ਹੈ ਗੋਡ ਇਜ਼ ਨਾਟ ਅ ਪਰਸਨਲ ਪ੍ਰੋਪਰਟੀ ਆਫ ਐਨੀਵਨ ਹੀ ਬਿਲੋਂਗਸ ਟੂ ਐਵਰੀਵਨ ਹੂਸੋਐਵਰ ਰਿਮੈਂਬਰਸ ਹਿਮ ਵਿਦ ਲਵ ਹੀ ਬਿਲੋਂਗਸ ਟੂ ਹਿਮ ਔਰ ਯਾਦ ਕਰੇ ਮਰਦ ਯਾਦ ਕਰੇ ਬੱਚਾ ਕਰੇ ਬੁੱਢਾ ਕਰੇ ਜਵਾਨ ਕਰੇ ਕੋਈ ਵੀ ਉਸ ਨੂੰ ਯਾਦ ਕਰੇ ਅਸਾਈ ਕਰੇ ਸਿੱਖ ਕਰੇ ਹਿੰਦੂ ਕਰੇ ਮੁਸਲਮਾਨ ਕਰੇ ਕੋਈ ਵੀ ਉਸ ਨੂੰ ਯਾਦ ਕਰੇ ਉਹ ਪਰਮਾਤਮਾ ਉਸ ਦਾ ਹੈ may a woman remember him or a man remember him may a child remember him or a old man remember him it doesn't matter if a hindu remembers him or a christian remembers him whosoever remembers him with love he belongs to them kabir sir kandeya jaap paat puche na ko har ko paje so har ka ho kabir saab said that nobody asks you about your religion or the caste whosoever meditates or whosoever remembers god he belongs he becomes of this ਪਰਮਾਤਮਾ ਇਹ ਨਹੀਂ ਕਹਿੰਦਾ ਕਿ ਮੇਰੇ ਪਾਸ ਅਸਾਈ ਹੋ ਜਾਂ ਮੁਸਲਮਾਨ ਨਾ ਹੋ ਹਿੰਦੂ ਹੋ ਸਿੱਖ ਨਾ ਹੋ ਕਹਿ ਲਗੇ ਨਹੀਂ ਪਿਆਰੇ ਹੋ ਉਹ ਕਹਿੰਦਾ ਮੈਂ ਸਾਰਿਆਂ ਨਾਲ ਹੀ ਪਿਆਰ ਕਰਦਾ ਕੋਈ ਮੇਰੇ ਪਾਸ ਆਵੇ ਤਾਂ ਸਹੀ ਉਹ ਪਿਆਰ ਦਾ ਸਮੁੰਦਰ ਹੈ ਰਹਿਮ ਦਾ ਸਮੁੰਦਰ ਹੈ ਗੋਡ ਡਸ ਨਾਟ ਸੇ ਦੈਟ ਓਨਲੀ ਦ ਕ੍ਰਿਸਚੀਅਨਸ ਕੈਨ ਕਮ ਟੂ ਹਿਮ ਔਰ ਦ ਹਿੰਦੂਸ ਕੈਨ ਨਾਟ ਗੋ ਟੂ ਹਿਮ ਔਰ ਓਨਲੀ ਦ ਸਿੱਖਸ ਕੈਨ ਕਮ ਟੂ ਹਿਮ ਐਂਡ ਦ ਮੁਸਲਮਸ ਕੈਨ ਨਾਟ ਗੋ ਟੂ ਹਿਮ he says that no anyone who wants can come to me i belong to everyone the religion the communities does not make any difference god almighty is an ocean of grace he is an ocean of mercy whosoever goes to him whosoever remembers him with love he belongs to him na tese opat khapat kul jati ਮਨ ਨਿਰਾਲਾ 
ਪਰਮਾਤਮਾ ਦੀ ਮਹਿਮਾ ਗਾਉਂਦੇ ਹੈ ਕਿ ਤੂੰ ਅਕਾਲ ਹੈ ਤੇਰੇ ਸਿਰ ਤੇ ਕਾਲ ਨਹੀਂਗਾ ਕਾਲ ਨੂੰ ਤਾਂ ਤੈਂ ਪੈਦਾ ਕੀਤਾ ਹੈ ਤੂੰ ਅਗਮ ਹੈ ਨਰਾਲਾ ਹੈ ਸਵਾਮੀ ਹੈ ਅਨਾਮੀ ਹੈ ਨਾਮ ਗੁਰੂ ਨਾਨਕ ਦੇਵ ਜੀ ਮਹਾਰਾਜ ਸਿੰਘਸ ਦਾ ਗਲੋਰੀ ਆਫ ਗੋਡ ਆਲਮਾਈਟੀ ਹੀ ਸੇਸ ਦੈਟ ਓ ਲਾਰਡ ਯੂ ਆਰ ਟਾਈਮਲੈਸ ਕਾਲ ਆਰ ਦ ਨੈਗੇਟਿਵ ਪਾਵਰ ਡਸ ਨਾਟ ਹੈਵ ਐਨੀ ਇਫੈਕਟ ਔਨ ਯੂ ਬਿਕੋਜ਼ ਯੂ ਯੂਰਸੈਲਫ ਹੈਵ ਕ੍ਰੀਏਟਿਡ ਦੈਟ ਨੈਗੇਟਿਵ ਪਾਵਰ ਯੂ ਆਰ ਅਗਮ ਯੂ ਆਰ ਅਨਾਮੀ ਯੂ ਆਰ ਡਿਫਰੈਂਟ ਯੂ ਆਰ ਯੂਨੀਕ ਤੇ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਮਹਾਤਮਾ ਦਾ ਕਹਿਣਾ ਹੈ ਜਿਨ੍ਹਾਂ ਦਾ ਪਰਦਾ ਖੁੱਲ ਗਿਆ ਅੰਦਰ ਜਾ ਕੇ ਪਰਮਾਤਮਾ ਨਾ ਮਿਲੇ ਸਚਾਈ ਨੂੰ ਖੁਦ ਦੇਖਿਆ ਔਰ ਬਿਆਨ ਕੀਤਾ this is the saying of that mahatma whose inner veil was lifted upon whose inner vision got opened who went within and met with the beloved lord within this is the saying or these are the words of those mahatmas our final bhajan is on page 78 takale manave kirpal piyarite Oh my mind look at the beloved Kripal he who had the darshan of the guru drank the cup of amrit nam oh mind become determined to have the support of Kripal whoever made his master sit in his heart finished the cycle of 84 oh my mind keep the love for the glimpses of the master within whose heart the love of the guru will come for him the door of such kind will be opened o mind memorize the hints of the true guru in a moment he removes the pain of the suffering ones the ocean of love cannot be stopped when he showers grace the lord liberates in a moment the story of the love of the master cannot be told what praise can i do of the true beloved tell them o ajay of the glimpses of kripal o my mind look at the beloved kripal bhajan of sanchi on page 78 takale manave kripal pyare tai takale manave kirpala pyare chai darshan guru da jisne kita amrit naam pyala pita darshan guru da jisne kita amrit naam pyala pita pakale manaoe kirpala sahare tai takale manaoe kirpala pyare tai takale manaoe kirpala pyare tai 
Sachakanda da buha kula jayaga Guru da piara jisa hira decha ayaga Sachakanda da buha kula jayaga Ratale manaoe sache guru de ishare tai. Takale manaoe kire pala yare tai. Takale manaoe kire pala. Yare Dukia de duka ika pala cha nivarada Taliana jave ora samunda piarada Dukia de duka ika pala cha nivarada Taliyana jave o samundara piyarada. Taliyajada hove ika pala viche tare sae. Takale mana owe kire pala yare tae. Takale manaoe kire pala piare tai. Tasinna kahane jaye guru de piardi. Karakisi fatamae sache dildardi. Dasinakahane jaye guru de piyardi Kararaki sefatame sacha diladardi Dasale ajaye bakir pala de najare tai 
Bless us all. 